Welcome, coaches. This is Tony Schiffman, and you are listening to the Hog Football Podcast. The Hog Football Chat was created as a way for coaches to talk about all things football and all things offensive line, and we took off via Twitter. With the help of so many great sponsors, we were able to create an amazing network of our coaching community. Now we've decided to launch our first ever podcast series. Please don't forget to check out those amazing sponsors on Twitter. This podcast series is presented by Platform, an online strength and conditioning tool that partners with over 800 schools across the country. Go check out platform.com, that's P-L-T-4-M.com for our full series and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. Don't forget to check out at Coach Schiffman on Twitter and use the hashtag HogFootballChat when you're there. We have a great episode for you today, so let's go ahead and kick this off. Before we even kick off the podcast, I want to just remind everyone to go like, subscribe, and keep up with these weekly episodes. If you like what you hear, spread the word so more coaches can tune in for our weekly podcasts. All right, here we go. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Hog Football Podcast. I'm excited today to have Coach Kevin Kelly with me. Coach Kelly is currently the head football coach of Pulaski Academy in Little Rock, Arkansas. He uh, has been to the, in his 17 years as head coach, he's been to the quarterfinals 17 times. He has taken his team to the semifinals 14 times, the championship game 11 times, and he has won eight state championships. His overall record right now is 203 wins, 29 losses, and one tie. He is the fastest coach in Arkansas history to reach 200 wins, and his offense has been in the top 10 in America in total offense every year except for one. Currently, he has been featured on ESPN 30 for 30, HBO Real Sports, Sports Illustrated, Fox Business News, National Geographic Spring Games, and he has a web TV show called Coach That Never Punts to the House. Coach Kelly, what's going on? Pleasure to have you. How's everything going? Uh, It's going as good as it can be right now. looks like we're getting back to normal a little bit, and that's what everybody wants, especially us football coaches that miss our kids. Amen. Amen. I couldn't have said it any better. Um, you know, first question I've got for you, you've got, uh, you know, obviously you have had a ton of success, eight state titles. Talk to me about how, how the, the offensive line played a part in, in each of those state titles and how, you know, how they were, they were an important part of your success. Well, you know, a, a great question. And, and, and I think like most coaches do, you know, we stress that without the offensive and defensive lines, and I, and I talk about those two all the time, the rest doesn't matter. And, and everybody does. And, but coming from an offense that's developed because we had slower kids and smaller kids, it matters even more. Mm. And we, 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 put, we have guys that put up big numbers. I've had like eight quarterbacks that have thrown for 5,000 yards in a season. And I've had several 2,000-yard rushers and all that kind of stuff. But, but you know, I mean, a, a real, I mean, a good football coach knows that you have to have an offensive line. The mm. better your offensive line, the worse everybody else can be, and that's just a fact. I mean, it, it, the more mistakes you can make and still win the game. Right. That's absolutely. I've never heard it expressed in that way, but that's you're you're one hundred percent right. And it's you know it's it's a rarity that you'll find a really successful team with a poor offensive line, but but you can find a, a, a you know a, a great offensive line that maybe doesn't have a great quarterback or a great running back that's going to be successful and win a title. So absolutely. Um, yeah. So you know, first question I've got for you, or second question, excuse me, and you know. In your bio, you, you list you guys have been in the top ten in total offense nationally every year, um, except for one. W- what do you kind of, what do you 
you know, what, what has led to that offensive success? You know, what is it? Was it something that you coming in really wanted to do or was it something that sort of just happened or how did you, how did you guys start to have that offensive success where you're at? You know, w- when I came here, I was, uh, uh, you know, w- they didn't have very big guys and they had never been very far. They'd been to the semifinals twice in the history of the school. And, and I was hired as the offensive coordinator originally. And, and what happened was, you know, I sat down and looked and I'm like, golly, the school I came from had some athletes. This school has no, you know, they don't have a lot of good athletes. Right. So, and the good thing is I had three different high school head coaches in three different years. And my first five years of coaching, uh, of getting paid to coach, I had four different head coaches in five years. So if you look at those years, you know, I had seven different guys in eight years. Now the good and the bad, the bad was it was chaotic. The good was I never got to learn one system. So I was self-taught for the first 10 years of my coaching career. I didn't even use the same terminology as everybody else. I I was embarrassed because I didn't know what people were talking about by an Eagle front or, or coverages or this or that. I had my own names for what everybody was doing. The good thing that came from that is I'm, I'm a pretty smart guy and I innovated and developed my own style of offense. And, and before analytics were even there, I, I was I was thinking stuff like, why do people throw a ball to a receiver with his back to the defense? So he's going to get hit. He has to turn around and face him, and probably half the time he tackled before he did. So I developed an offense that was more of, of – I looked at the weaknesses in all defenses, and to me that's between, you know, 10, 12, and 25 yards. You know, it's, it's low percentage to throw it deep. It's high percentage to throw it, especially with play action behind a linebacker. That's the void in all defenses. Right. And, and while they're moving at the same time. And then I reduced our offensive line play to, you know, we were doing the same things everybody else was. And I reduced it to, you know what, never keeping a back in protection. My linemen will never be confused. And we will be able to block five no matter where they come from, how they do it, or whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll have somebody assigned to those five. There won't right. be any mistakes, and that's not true anywhere else. And, and without that sixth guy, there's never any mistakes. So we're not going to make any mistakes. And next thing I know, I look up, and, and, uh, and then, I, then I reduced our running schemes to I don't expect my guys to be able to drive the other team uh, somewhere. I just expect them to be able to get in the way because the more right. I watch film, the more I saw that if you get in the way, you know, that's really what a good back needs. So – Next thing you know, we're doing things, you know, a lot different. I mean, last year I had two guys on my offensive line over 200 pounds. Wow. And we went and played one of the top teams in the country in Ravenwood. They had five SEC signees. So, yeah. you know, and, and, and the number one defensive end in the country. And, and uh, like I said, I had two guys. So we, learned, we had to learn by necessity to do things different because I didn't want to wait and win just when we had a good class come through. Mm-hmm. Now, the good thing is I've had one really good class come through here in 2011 and we got up to eighth ranking in the country and went undefeated and blew everybody out. But I had a great offensive line then. And, uh, and so that's kind of how I've gotten here. And as a result, catching the ball, always on the move, you know, and learning, and we do a different offense too. We, we read defenders and we don't do a true progression like everybody else does. We read shoulders and hips of defenders and, and uh, horizontally and vertically space them and do that, simplify the offensive line because drive, uh, you know, sacks kill drives. And so we want to reduce the amount of times we do that. And next thing you know, I looked up and, you know, 14 to the last 15 years, we've been in the top 10 in offense in the country. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that, that, that's awesome that it's truly innovative first and foremost, but 
it, it is it is you are 100 playing to the strengths of your players you know you're not going to take one of your players and make him do something that he's not good at you are playing to the and that's what every coach in america should be doing you know everybody at every level whether it's pop warner high school college pro should be playing up to the strengths of their players and that's you know that's uh, in my opinion that's why you've had such success because well and ironically enough i just tweeted out yesterday if the other coach was asking me about something maybe think to tweet it out was was that it, it, i saw a poll a random poll just this guy and somebody had polled high school coaches college coaches and they said why did you why do you do what you do in practice and games and 80% of them listed my high school or college coach did that, and that's why I do. Well, that means we've got less people, Tony, that are trying. You know, people, coaches come in, and we all know we have egos and think we know. Right. And it's easy to come in and go, wait, I know this system's good. My way of coaching is good. And you try to fit the players to your system. Well, it's okay to have a general outline of a system, but you've got to morph your strengths and weaknesses around your guys, just like you said. And I think it sounds like, oh, well, everybody ought to be doing that. But I think you'd find that very, very few people really are. Yeah, absolutely. That's one. Yeah, 100 percent. I, I think you're right. We, we are as coaches. We are um, we are prideful and sometimes stubborn to a fault. And it's 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 OK. It's OK to not know what you're doing. And it's OK to ask questions, guys, especially young absolutely. guys listening. Don't don't be afraid. So, um, you know, you kind of talked a little bit about this with the analytics, but and, and this is a two-part question. Part one, when was the last time you punted in a game? And part two, what was, you know, that was, I, I can remember watching one of your pieces where you talked about the analytics of the, of the no punt. Um, was that something, again, was that something that you guys was, was right when you got to, to Pulaski or was that something that sort of evolved over time? No, you know, the very first year I was the head coach. And when I was an assistant, you know, I mean, I couldn't do it, obviously. The head coach was traditional and, and I was lucky to get him to, to let us throw the ball very much, to be honest, because he right. was a power eye guy and, and realized they weren't ever going to win. So smart enough to at least try something different. I came in and read the spread and stuff. And I, and I, and I came you know, we would, we would be that. And, and I guess my last year as the, before I took over as head coach, I was looking and we had completed, I don't know, 65% of our passes. And so the next, you know, that last year, we got a lot of fourth and short. And I was wanting to go for it, and Coach said no. And, of course, you know, being subordinate, you're like, okay. And I was thinking, gosh, 65% of the time we could, we could continue this drive right. in theory. And then I started thinking about, well, if I knew it on third down, you know, this is back 20 years ago. If I knew it on third down, it would really be more effective. And then so my first year as head coach, I didn't plan to no punt, but I planned it on reducing punting tremendously. So. Right. My first year, we played 15 games, and we punted 21 times, I think. So about a time and a half. So I was going forward in situations that would seem to make sense for most people. You know, I mean, when it's fourth and three, and you're across midfield, that kind of stuff. Right. And every once in a while, if I felt really good about a defense that we were going against, you know, it might be in our own territory and stuff, but, but not nearly like I am now. Well, then Moneyball came out after that first year I was head coach. And I don't know if you remember that. That was the first real that was the first real introduction of analytics into the sports world. Yeah. And so then I dove in and I found a couple of good, you know, talks on from from smart guys and and uh started punting less and less. And then I realized something, Tony, that no matter what the numbers say, that when you shouldn't punt and you should go for it, they're really a little bit more if you take everything into consideration. What I mean is this 
what I learned is, is, you know, we were still practicing punt for 20 minutes a day like everybody else, even though we were putting 22 times the first year, you know, 18 times my second year, 14 times my third year. And I'm like, why am I spending 20 minutes a day on something that I do once a game on average? And so, you know, as I, as it evolved and I started looking at the analytics, I started seeing how play calling changed on second and third and first down when I knew I had four downs. And then I realized, wait a minute, that's 20 minutes. I could be working on something else that we need to work on either from the last game that we've got to fix or for the next game, because they do something different or weird. And I threw that 20 minutes out of punting. I got to realize, you know what? No matter what the numbers say, you should go for it even more if you're willing to not use those 20 minutes of practice to punt, use them on something else. They're valuable. So even if you don't make it. So when you put all that together, now we only punt when time is of the essence. And what I mean by that is, you know, if I've got the ball and it's fourth and 10 on, on the, on the, you know, on my own 40 yard line and there's eight seconds left in the half. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go for it then because I'm not going to make a, I'm not going to be able to score, you know, if we make the first down. So there's no risk at all. I mean, there's no reward. It's all risk. So to answer your question, that was a long way to answer. You'll tell me to shut up because I'm a talker. No, no, no. I think think this is fascinating. So I, I, this is, this is truly interesting to me. But to answer the, to answer your question, the last time we punted, we punted eight times in the last 14 years. And um, the last time we punted, I think was, three years ago in the state championship game uh, and we had the ball. We were up by one point. We were on the 50 yard line and there was 56 seconds left, I think. And the other team had no timeout. So, yeah, you know, even us, it's fourth and seven. Yeah. If we make the first down, it's over, but fourth and seven, you know, we're going to make that about 46% of the time, somewhere in there. And which is, you know, fairly good, but I didn't want to give it to them on the 50 because then 20 yards, they get a chance for a field goal. Right. And they didn't have any timeouts. And nobody ever puts anybody back deep when we punt because we rarely punt. You always think we're going for it. So we knew we could just punt the ball that would roll and roll off another 10 seconds and pin them down on about their 20 if we just got a 30 yard net. So, you know, time was of the essence in that situation. And people go, oh, in a state championship game, you decide to punt when it really mattered. Well, no, the game before that mattered, the game before that mattered, and, <laughs> right. and so did the other eight states. You know, we played in 11. I think we've punted in maybe two or three of them. So, right. so did the other eight states. It was just a situation with time factoring in. Right, and that's, again, that's one of those analytics where it's, yeah, absolutely. you know, the, the percentages say to do so. Do you, do you before we finish, my, my, one of my questions, do you ever have an assistant coach that maybe gets on the headsets and says, coach, we should punt here? <laughs> or are they just kind of, are they conditioned to know that it's, that it's your call? You know, what's funny is it's usually coaches that have not worked for me more than one or two years. Right. So the first year a guy comes in, one of my favorite coaches ever was Pip Runyon. And uh, I hired him in 2008. He ended up working for me for 10 years. But our very first year, you know, we didn't punt. We were the first team in the history of high school football to win a championship and not punt, a state championship and not punt during the whole season. And that was the first year he was here. We go through the whole thing and we get the playoffs and we've got one and he gets on the headsets. He's like, coach, you might want to think of a call timeout and set up that punt if we don't make the first down here. And, you know, it's his first year, and he's an awesome guy. And I go crazy on him. I'm like, don't even say that where a kid can hear you. Right. I don't want to put any doubt in their mind. You know, that kind of thing. And uh, But after that, he didn't do it anymore. And I think everybody kind of gets the message. I think the other coaches pull him aside and go, look, 
if you want to talk to him about that, do it well before the game starts. Right. Don't not, do it in the – yeah, not during right. the game. That's the worst exactly. time to do it. So, so yeah, you know, I have coaches that want to know more about it. And I'm, I like that because I want people to understand why. I don't want them to think, oh, it's just goofy or always oh, trying right. to be different. Not it by any stretch of the imagination. I can prove to you that it helps us win games. Right. And again, that's well, that's what I think is truly fascinating about it, is that you've done the time and, and you know spent the time and done the research to find the the true percentage and analytics about it. So um, I think it's awesome, um, Coach. Last question I've got for you, and, and this can be this can be a tough one for some guys, but uh, if you can put together a Mount Rushmore of offensive linemen um, from guys you coached or guys you were just a fan of, maybe um, who would be on that five man offensive line? Wow. That's a, that's a big, wide – you know what? I'm going to try to answer it a little bit different way, too. I'm going to answer – I'm going to give you a one or two of my high school offensive linemen, and I'm okay. going to go a couple of college guys, okay. and then may, maybe a couple of pro guys. How about that? Fantastic. And then in, in, in high school, um, I've coached uh, uh, one kid that actually made it to a practice squad on an, on an NFL team. Uh, Jason King, and he'd never made it into a game, but he was a he was a good he was an athletic lineman that probably should have been playing on the D line. You know how we tend to put the more athletic big guys on the D line, right? And uh, we we put him on the offensive line, and he went on to play at Purdue and got to start there. I think his junior and senior year, he was really good. And what I liked is he was very welcome to coaching. You know, I mean, he never ever got the big head where he looked at you and thought he knew more than he should, you know? Right. And so you put athleticism in an old lineman with a great kid, and how's that kid not going to stick out in your head? And then I had another one that I coached my – I was fortunate my very, very first year of, uh, uh, of, of being a head coach. His name was Jonathan Lewigs, and he was my – I had him playing tackle because he was my biggest, strongest kid, and my left – I had him playing left tackle. And after game one, we lost our, my first game as a head coach. And it was actually to Gus Malzahn, who's at Auburn now. And, uh, you know, he had those guys that – Damian Williams, all those guys that, that went out to USC and all these other places. And, yeah. and he stomped us pretty good. And I realized, you know what, I need a big guy in the middle of the line. So I, made, I moved him to center for game two. The kid never, ever questioned, never did anything. He was a little bit short for a lineman, but I thought he was really good. He ends up – in the very next to last game we played in the semifinals, getting an offer to play at Arkansas, where he always wanted to play, boyhood thing. And they wouldn't offer him. So his senior year semifinals, he got an offer from Arkansas, goes up there, red shirts, they get a couple guys hurt, and he ends up winning the Remington Award right. uh, for the best center. And uh, so those are my two guys I've ever coached and technically my favorite two college guys, too, that have ever played offensive line. So, when you so go – Real quick, Go i got to interrupt you for a second. So, sure. a funny story, uh, Jonathan actually was, because he played for the Bengals, I used to take a group of guys to Midwest Lineman Camp, which was run by Paul Alexander with the Bengals. So, Jonathan yeah. was actually our counselor for one year when I was a coach. Oh, awesome. He's a great yeah. guy. Great yeah. kid. Love that guy. So I got to talk to him last week. We still maintain a good relationship. And then in the, uh, in the NFL – my favorite all time is Willie Rofe. And I don't know if everybody here, you may have a bunch of young guys listening. Willie Rofe played for the Saints, mm -hmm. went, to, went to UAPB, and at 300 pounds, he ran a sub 540 at the combine, which is phenomenal for an offensive line, especially yes. 20 years, 20 years yes. ago. 
And uh, now he's obviously in the Hall of Fame and, and all that kind of stuff. But I like that he's a local guy from Arkansas, but he's also a gentle giant. Yeah. Except for when it, he was one of the guys, though, you know, what's the, what's the guy's name that's currently for the Raiders that played for Miami, got in a lot of trouble for bullying in the locker rooms, racial slurs. Oh, yeah. um, incognito. Inco, Richie Incognito. Yeah. To me, he doesn't know when to turn it on and turn it off. And Willie Rofe was the classic example of you can be a monster on the field right. and turn it off and be the best guy in the world off the field. I mean, by all accounts, and I've, I've, I've sat with him and talked many times, super awesome guy. And I love that he can turn it on and be just an animal on the field yeah. and then be an animal off the field too. And then, uh, and then uh, one of my favorite is Clay Matthews' dad, who's currently, you know, Clay's currently playing linebacker in the NFL. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, his dad, I loved watching him play. He played a long time for the Titans, and and, uh, and and I don't know why he sticks out as somebody. I heard he was a good guy, and I heard he did, uh, you know, was good outside the NFL, you know, in fundraising and stuff like that. But on the field, I loved watching him play because I think he tried to – I think he looked like the best specimen of doing what the coach said, not relying yeah. on raw talent. He was he was one of those lunch pill guys too, you know. Yeah, we we, we yeah. kind of talk about those cliches. He was a guy that showed up every day and just did his job and went home at night, and that was it. You know, it was yeah, yeah, what he was asked to do for sure. Yeah. So, no, those guys right there, and then uh, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a big Cowboys fan, so I've always liked all the Cowboys linemen for a lot of reasons. Okay, all right, I'll, I won't I won't hold that against you too much. So we we can I can go with the Cowboys, but. Well, Coach, I appreciate you coming on talking with me. Uh, do me a favor before we go and drop your Twitter handle and uh, any other information you want these guys to know. Okay, I appreciate it. Um, if you ever have any questions for me, we'd love – I mean, we lo I love talking football. It's at Coach Kelly one on Twitter, C Coach Kelly with an E-Y, the number one. And uh, um, and occasionally, I'll get, if I get enough guys that ask or put it together, I'll do a Zoom meeting and show what we do. We're real different on the offensive line, defensive line. Uh, for stuff – if you want to see video and clinics and stuff like that on coach tube, especially if your school lets you use it for professional development, or if they pay for it, uh, go to coach tube and type in Kevin Kelly with an EY. And we've got run game stuff on there, pass game stuff on there. We've got uh, passing systems on there that we use that, that have been really successful and led us to offense. We've got, um, and we're about to put up some defensive stuff that kind of complements the way we do things. So also, we've got onside kicking and theories about that and stuff, too. But sure. but uh, go on there and get all you want. And then if you do get those, for sure, it's got my email on there. Shoot me email questions. Because anybody that does that and uses school funds or their own to buy them, I want them to be able to get whatever they want out of those. And uh, feel free to email me, and I'll answer any question, every question. Awesome, Coach. That's fantastic. I know you'll get a, a lot of guys reaching out. So. Um, you know, again, once again, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, hopefully we, uh, we get going with this stuff pretty soon, and I wish you guys the best of luck and uh, looking forward to, uh, to speaking soon down the road. Okay, I appreciate it. And let me say this, too, that, you know, I, I, I agreed to be on this, Tony, because I love what you do and for our game. I mean, I think you're positive. I think you love our game. I love anybody that has a passion for our game. I don't think I would be alive if it weren't for the game of football. I, I mean that with all I'm worth. And one of these days I might write a book. And and if I didn't have a football team, I, you know, I might have I might have ended this thing a long, long time ago when I was in a tough situation as a kid. And guys like you that had a passion for it are the guys that made me want to be around those guys where I had to weigh my options there. So I appreciate that. And we need to remember this too. It's okay to compete against guys in your conference. 
But our game, like we've been told over the years, is under attack. Yeah. So we've got to be for each other, promote our game. You know, for the last, last year, for the first time in history, high school numbers went down in the game of football. And, yeah. you know, we, we just can't let that continue. But it's going to come with us being educated, also not giving in and begging kids to play, but setting boundaries, doing things right, and teach them to be young men in life. And I appreciate I know you guys do that. I know there's a lot of guys on there. But we've got to get out of our shell and do a good job promoting our game because because it is the greatest game in the world. And, uh, and and we do not need it to end. There's so many things they learn from us. Everybody on this knows that they cannot learn in a classroom, in another sport, or anything else. So Absolutely. thank you guys for doing what you do. But thank you, Tony, for doing what you do. I, I appreciate that, Coach. That's uh, That means a lot. So uh, thank you very much for that. So uh, once again, thanks, Coach, and, and look forward to talking to you soon. Okay. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks again for everyone listening, and remember to go check out platform.com for the full series of Hog Football podcast episodes. We want to thank everybody for their continued support, and be on the lookout for our Hog Football Chat series from Twitter on our website, hogfootballchat.net. You can check out all of our great sponsors and tons of awesome...